to The Mary Mack Show, where we will be talking about your feelings, experiences, and pain following the death of a loved one. Hello, my friends, my warriors. This is Mary Mack of the Mary Mack Show. I am so fortunate today to have Christine Capaluto with me. She's from California. And back in December of 2020, excuse me, 2019, her daughter, Alex, was murdered by fentanyl. She took one half of one, what she thought was an oxycodone pill and it wound up being laced with enough fentanyl in it to have killed five people. And all she did was take one half of that one pill that unfortunately was delivered to her home through a drug dealer. The fentanyl crisis, as you know, we've been doing this series since I think it's June or July. And I want so much for you to understand what this does to families the horrors of it all. And in Christine's case, she's become ill because of it, physically ill. And she's graciously agreed to talk more about that as well, on how when you have such stress in your life, it can snowball into other areas. So I'm so glad that she's with us. We're gonna talk about Alex today, her life, her growing up life, and Christine and her husband, Matt, are involved with an organization called Drug-Induced Homicide, drugindusedhomicide.org. You can find it online and it'll be in the show notes. I'll leave all the links. But right now I am grateful for Christine to join us. And I thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Absolutely. So please do. My dog. <laughs> it's okay. It's fine. This is life. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes we hear outside here. So it's yeah. but I, I love the picture of Alex behind you. That's oh, thank so you. beautiful. It's her prom picture. Oh, it was? Her senior it was prom. Her high school prom. Uh-huh. Yep. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's so great. Did she have a good time? Oh, she said she felt like a princess. Oh, yeah. And I was fortunate. I was able to work at the prom. Oh. Um, and so I got to see her throughout with her boyfriend and it was just fun watching her. Just, she, she really enjoyed herself. She lit up. Yes. <laughs> I'm so glad she got that experience. Me too. Me too. So tell us a little bit about her. Tell us about your family life, where you grew, where you raised well, them. Yeah. Um, we were living in, um, Orange County area, Southern California. Um, originally when we got married and started having babies and, um, we decided to pick up and move to Temecula, which is more of your very family oriented area. Um, it's kind of like something out of back East, you know, in a small town, even though it's not that small, but <laughs> a small town feel and, you know, parents 
really supported each other and we kept an eye on each other's kids and, you know, in the sports, the just, we all came together always. That's wonderful. And, um, it was a wonderful feeling. Like you can go to the grocery store and just strike up a conversation, you know, and have a friend, you know, all of a sudden. And so we, that's the atmosphere we wanted our kids to live in uh -huh. and um, feel safe. And Alex was in kindergarten. Um, we have two older daughters. Um, there's Brooke and Brittany. And uh, Brittany was ready to start high school when we moved here. And Brooke was in um, high school as well. And so, um, but Alex was um, starting kindergarten. And then Skye, the youngest, she was preschool. Oh. She's yeah, she's two years younger exactly from Alex. So they thrived here. We were your typical little family, you know, just <laughs> trying to run businesses, you know. Um, it's very uh, friendly out here to have a mom and pop shops type thing. And um, everybody tried to, you know, always keep that in mind and uh, help keep your businesses thriving. So, you know, Matt opened up a print shop out here to print t-shirts. And so he did it for sports and, you know, schools and, you know, individuals, of course. And I ran a real estate business out here and, you know, just make it ends meet. And I made sure that all my kids were in sports from five years old on mm -hmm. to keep them busy. Keep them, <laughs> keep them a little tired. <laughs> yeah, That's funny. School, it's like wear them down. So when they're done, you know, they can have a nice dinner and go to sleep. And <laughs> have a good rest. But, um, you know, especially in middle school and high school more so than anything, you know, just, you know, I always believed it keeps them out of trouble. Yes. And, um, uh, Sky, our youngest, joined uh, competitive cheer when she was, excuse me, um, in sixth grade. And uh, I thought, great, that'll really keep you, you know, very busy and stuff. And and so we started that. And then Alex kind of said, I, I think I want to try it. So she dabbled and she became a cheerleader as well and did competitive cheer. So I was the cheer mom. <laughs> um, you know, we had to travel all over, you know, and mm -hmm. um, to all the competitions. And, and then by the time they got into high school, they quit the all-star version and went to the high school cheer and um sky was two teams um and then alex was one team on there so and then i became president of the cheer board you know and just very involved we you know we try to be that involved and you know your typical family just again trying to make it <laughs> yeah keep them stable keep them safe you know, and I had such a great relationship with my, all my daughters. That's wonderful. Um, I, I mean, I, I can't, I'm just, they're just so beautiful inside, inside and out. They just, they have these great personalities that are all individual, very different from each other, but so beautiful. And they never really gave me a hard time, you know, just other than your typical teenage stuff. And nothing major. Um, so life seemed good. I, and I, every day, thank God for my blessings. 
Yep. Everybody. Thank you for my family. Thank you for my girls. Thank you for my, you know. Yeah. On the same, on the same way I pray, we prayed every meal and that's what we say. Thank you for I'm just, I I truly was grateful. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, our family, our whole family, you know, like my parents, Matt's parents are my sisters and brothers and his, we all got along. That's we so all nice. Loved each other so much. We got along. We never fought. We, it was just peaceful. It was a very peaceful environment, you know. Um, about middle school though, I did have we, you know, Alex came to me, and she um started voicing um depression at that point. Oh wow! She started saying, "I don't feel happy." I have everything to be happy about. I have everything to be joyful about. I mean, she's all friends. I love my parents. I love my family. I'm, I don't know what's wrong with me and why I don't feel happy. I don't feel joy. Right. And I didn't understand it. I mean, I've been through a lot growing up in my life, but I never had depression. So I didn't understand the Mm -hmm. feeling, you know, I couldn't empathize. And, but I tried to listen and that was the thing. I had a very open relationship with my girls. I wanted to be, you know, not their best friend, of course, in a sense, you know, I'm still the parent, but I wanted them to feel safe to tell me anything, you know, and especially as girls, I gave them the low down dirty details of, you know, dating and yep. <laughs> what might be expected or not, or, you know, and listen, this is how you should handle it, you know, and don't be afraid and stand up for yourself and be worth some, feel worthy. Yes. You know, of yourself and know your worth and, but never be afraid to make a mistake and let me know. I will always be there. We all make mistakes. I even try to explain to them. They get mad at me at times. I'm just a human being like you. I make mistakes just like you, you know, we're all still figuring it out. And then that kind of opened their eyes like, oh, wow, she's being vulnerable. Yes. You know, and um, I didn't try to play this holier than thou person, you know, parent of I did nothing wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, yes. Like, I won't give you details, but I've been there, done that, and I know where you're going. Yes, exactly. <laughs> you know, yeah. don't think I don't And you know, know what might come up in, ahead. <laughs> exactly. And just trust me when I say. You know? <laughs> so they're like, okay, you know. And so, but Alex, yeah, at the, in middle school, she started voicing concerns. She was like, mom, when I open my eyes, I'm not happy that I woke up. Mm-hmm. And I'm like... Do you feel like, you know, I tried to get into a, I was scared to get into a suicide talk, you know, but I had to voice my concern. Like, are we at that point? You know, I do, I, what do I need to do? And again, never dealing with this before with anybody in my life. So I'm, this is new territory for me and I'm trying to figure out ways to not make her feel bad about feeling bad. But then, you know, I kind of was like, well, did I do something wrong? Am I, am I going about this the wrong way? And she just looked at me and just, this has nothing to do with you or dad or the family. This is not about you. This is a very mature attitude. And that's how she was. She was always the more, she was goofy, silly, klutzy, clumsy, laughed at herself, (laughs) joked, witty, 
but also a deep soul, a very deep soul, very artistic. Um, so I'm just like, I'm listening. I'm listening. I go, that's all I can give you. Yes. With my ears. And if you need to see a doctor, a therapist, let's do it. Yeah. I don't, I don't care. Like, let's do it. And she's like, yeah, I do want to see a therapist. I do. I don't want to feel like this. I do want help. Um, so I was making appointments and, and uh, they all kept, I, I say all because we bounced from doctor to doctor because she'd be like, they're not getting it. They're not getting it. Right. Stop asking me how my day is. <laughs> <laughs> it, I'm not going to, you know, she's, and all they talked about was, well, you need medication. Of course. We're going to make a, you know, a appointment for a psychiatrist so you can get medication. And I'm like, absolutely not. Because I had been put on antidepressants, wrongly put on antidepressants. I found out I had something physically wrong with me, but they just kept saying I was depressed. And I remember how it made me feel, mm -hmm. antidepressants, especially when you don't really need them. Yes. It makes you crazier, you know? Yes. It makes you like, I, I mean, to try to maintain control. And I'm like, I don't want my kid to feel bad. And she's too young and her brain's still developing. And let's get to the root of the problem. Right. You know, and of course I'm like, did anything happen? You can tell me, no, nothing happened to me. Nothing. I'm not being bullied. I'm, I don't, I can't understand why I feel this way, but I hate myself. And she's like, why am I ugly? You're not ugly. You know, you're just, it's so sad. And why are my sisters prettier? Why are they funnier? Why are they, you know, and just always comparing and it's, it just broke my heart, you know? Yeah. So I kind of gravitated towards her more in a sense, you know, the other girls were thriving. So I'm like kind of handling her with kid gloves, which kind of upset the other girls a little. They're like, Hey, you know, we're right here. And I'm like, but you're doing good. I have yeah. to help this, one. you know, I have to help this one. Right. They were understanding, but, um, she, uh, you know, just push forward, push forward, um, seeing different doctors, some for quite a while that we seem to be okay working with her and trying to give her tools, like, um, tools to work with. So she started painting and, um, we have these beautiful paintings now that we've had framed and put up in our stairwell. Um, they're, they're something like you never see before. It's not like scenery. It's just whatever was popping through her mind mm -hmm. and she put it on canvas. So I bought her all the supplies. Like you want to paint, you can paint. <laughs> it makes you feel better. Um, bought her all these journals because she loved to journal and she loved to write. And Lovely. I did, she shared some journals with me because she wanted me to understand. Um, wow. And she's like, before you read them, don't get mad. Don't get sad. They're dark, um, but I, it makes me feel better when I put them on paper. I put it on paper. I can get it out of me. Yes. And I'm like, okay, yes. you know, okay. So she's like set me up to be like, they're dark <laughs> and scary. And I read them and I cried. I bawled, you know, it's like, oh, geez, I'm so sorry, you know. And she's like, it's not you. Don't need nothing to apologize. You know, I just want to share this with you. And I'm like, yeah. thank you. It, that's 
you know, a blessing to be able to share this with me as much, you know, I go to my bedroom and just be like, oh, what do I do with this? You know? And, um, and she got into high school and, um, seemed to, she, she was on the track team, uh, freshman year, made some wonderful friends, beautiful friends. Um, she was happy at that point, but she said she still struggled, uh-huh. but she's learning to work with it. And she was happy, you know, in a sense of not joyful, but happy. That's good. Um, and just led the t- high school life. You know, she, she, she was, I would say not the most popular, but she was very, you know, they knew the Capaluda girls, you know, really <laughs> knew <clears throat> and, um, yeah. And then she joined the cheer team and her, and then she got a boyfriend, um, that she, she loved this guy since freshman year. And then Aww. by her, um, junior year, they started dating and he loved her. He loved her like a man should love a woman. Aww. They were just the most, I was like, I hope you guys grow up together and get married later. And, you know, and they're like us too, you know, and they were just like this old married couple. They didn't want a party. They didn't want to, they just wanted to, they came here and would watch TV and just chill. Happy <laughs> <laughs> being here, you know? <clears throat> and um, I'm like, don't you guys have friends that you want to go play with? You know? No, we like spending time together. We're happy. We just <laughs> want to be together and just be here and be with you guys and the family. And I'm like, okay. Wow. Wow. Um, that was amazing. Yeah. So it was, you know, I mean, all the way through her, she, no troubles, other, you know, just getting her health, mental health, you know, was a lot of work, a lot of work. And um, I even had one doctor tell me, a psychologist say I was a bad mom in front of her because <gasps> I didn't let them medicate her. Because they medicate her? Oh, yeah. please. And, you know, because everybody was on an antidepressants at this point, you know, oh, like, sure. everybody. and she kind of questioned me, like, why won't you let me if, you know, and I'm like, because I've taken them and I know what it feels like and you will not like it. It'll just make you worse. Yes. You think you're bad now, you know? And I said, when you're, I said, if they can do like a brain scan and mm-hmm. they find something physically diminished where you need a medication to supplement that, right? I will, I all by all means, you know, but if they can't physically, and I, and I had them do um, MRIs on her brain and everything <clears throat> because I'm like, I want to see just in case you never yeah. know. Right. I'm not trying to cold turkey her, you know, here and just not. And I'm like, let's get the doctors involved. Let's check mm-hmm. her brain out. If right. there's something, you know, missing or different, you know, let's, right. we'll talk. Mm-hmm. But um, even she finally admitted, like, I don't want to see that doctor anymore, you know? And I'm like, okay, good. <laughs> and, uh, and then I had another one who blamed her dad, who never met her dad, who'd never spoken to her dad. And because he was building a business, so he was at work a lot and mm-hmm. the girls would grumble and I'd be like, look, He's at work building a business to, you know, support you guys. Mm-hmm. You know, just because I'm able to work from home, it seems like I'm always available and he's not because he's got a shop. 
and he's the sole run. He, he runs the shop by himself. Oh, wow. It doesn't mean if he's not there, you know, <clears throat> but he would make the sports stuff. He would make, you know, important the holidays and stuff, but he was working a lot and they would grumble about it. Like, and she brought that up to the doctor. Like he works a lot and she, they, oh, that's your issue. It's your father. And I was so angry. Like she never spoke to him, never heard yeah. his side, never right. spoke to me. So now she puts it in my daughter's head that it's his fault. You know, <clears throat> done. We're done <laughs> with you next. <laughs> done next. And so, yeah, it was a lot of that. And and so when she turned 18 and graduated, that's when things started happening with her she kind of decided because she was like the perfect kid the non-partier I mean she had friends she would go to they call them kickbacks or whatever but nothing major okay. um, never came home drunk <laughs> never you know and I'm like even if you do call me I'll come get you you know right, right. happens I get it but never had issues until she graduated she dumped her boyfriend Ooh, who it just broke his heart, broke him. Um, Did she ever tell you why? She wanted to live life. She just wouldn't, she kind of went balls out. <laughs> she she had got rid of the good friends, brought in these other people. And I said, why? Well, she wanted to fix them. She felt she could fix them. And they got her because she was such a deep soul and a different thinker. And um, <clears throat> they understood her better, these other groups of friends. And I'm like, uh, you know, a lot of them are users. They oh. will use you, you know, and yep. you're trying to fix them and they're going to latch on to you. Yep. You know. <clears throat> so instead of a giver, they're a taker personality. They're taker personalities. And she was a giver by every means. Um, she was very altruistic. She... She stood up to bully. When she would see somebody get bullied at school, she was right there, stood up to him, was like, I'll take you down myself. Mm -hmm. You want to bully? Yeah, let's let me be your bully. You know, just like, <laughs> see how you like it. Like, no, she wouldn't stand for it. And so many kids told me stories at her funeral of how she stood up for them, always stood up or always made sure they were never alone. She did not like to see a student eat alone lunch. She would get them and her friends were the same way. Come on with us. Come sit with us. You know, don't eat alone. Oh, nice. That was her big thing. Um, Temecula did a Temecula Nice Matters parade. And the mayor asked her to lead the parade. Wow. Because word got out of how she was such a helper and such a good person to people and just wanted to help. Um, she went to Mexico with a church group that she didn't even know, but they, you know, needed volunteers to go out to the deep out in Mexico with orphanages for handicapped children. And she was right on board. She's like, first up, let's go. Let's do this. Wow. You know, um, she loved to travel. She was normally I wouldn't, I'm, I wouldn't let my kids walk to the mailbox. Okay. They're girls. I'm like, nope. I <laughs> no, it's it's I that's how I you know how yeah. I was. And here I let her go. She 
through school was selected to go to a month study abroad. And this was the summer going into her freshman year. She was selected to study abroad in Europe. Where'd she go? She went to Italy, Crete, Greece. She got to go in the Vatican. So it was a month long. It was a month long and historical study which is, you know, what she loved. And, um, she, and of course that was her first time really traveling. And my husband's like, you won't let him walk to the mailbox, but you're letting him go. <laughs> and you're paying a lot of money for it. You know, it's like, yeah. and I'm like that's that's funny. Her. That must've been her. funny for him to say when you heard that, right? Yeah. He was just like, uh, uh, you're actually letting her do this, you know? And I'm like, yeah, this is something I could see that, you know, the other girls had no they're like, oh, we'd love to go on vacation, but not do a study, you know, somewhere. Yeah. And uh, that just made her life. She worked, she, it took a year before she went. And of course, so we got to know the the people that she traveled with, the teachers and the students, because it was from all over Southern California and students got so. Oh, it wasn't just her high school. No. And um, she, uh, so we got a year of getting to know each other and, you know, feeling that comfort and, and they made the kids raise the money. They didn't want the parents paying for it. They were like, you're going to fundraise. You're yep. going to sell things. You're going to, you know, use your brain, figure it out. So she did. And she got the money. <clears throat> Helped a little, but. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, she was super intelligent. And um, she, her senior year this is her intelligence and she didn't like it because she felt different, but she hardly went to school. I couldn't get that girl out of bed. She was just like, Meh. you know, <laughs> I don't want to go today. And I'm like, okay. Um, it was hard to get her to go. Cause she was just getting lazy. Sometimes you just being a teenager. I just want to sleep in. I'll go later, or, you know, whatever. And it's just a struggle. Like, come on. And she got still got a 4.0. Wow. She took her SATs. That girl, I mean, I was like buying books to study SAT for dummies and all this, you know, crack here. Here's some material for your SATs here because she did want to go to college. Okay. And, um, <clears throat> you know, you have to do really well. It's hard to get into college. Yeah. And um, <clears throat> she's like, ah, she would not crack a book. I wasted all that money. She refused. She's just like, I'll just take it and whatever happens, happens. Rolls out of bed on SAT morning, hair sticking up, doesn't care. <laughs> She's ha in her jammies, her sleepwear, you know, slippers, and shows up and gets a near perfect score. <gasps> oh my gosh. I'm like, only you. <laughs> <laughs> and her sisters are like, this is so unfair. We have to work hard, you know, I have to yeah, work yeah. hard for our stuff. And, and then she takes a year off and just, plays she plays for that year after she graduates like I said she got with the wrong crowd she just I was like scared every time the phone rang scared like what's what because she got very um self-destructive mm. is what happened oh. and uh 
then she got this envelope comes out of the blue. She was getting college. Like I was getting all this info on colleges, but nothing like personal, like, you know, it's just in general, like, Hey, come try our college, come try our college. So I was getting all that mail and um, just checking it. You know, <laughs> She doesn't seem interested in going now, you know? And uh, I get an envelope and I'm like, wow, this is kind of a thick envelope for a college. So I'm going to open it up. And it said, congratulations, you have a full full academic scholarship to ASU, Arizona State University. Oh, my God. I'm like, when did she apply for this? You know, <laughs> I put it all back together like, oh, crud, you know, and I gave it to her. And she's like, you opened it? And I'm like, I didn't know. <laughs> I didn't know who applied. And she's all, yeah, I applied there. <clears throat> oh, kind of, you know, thinking it's time. I start figuring myself out, you know, and I'm like, oh, thank God. And she was very proud of herself. And I said, what got you in? What did you have to do where they gave you a fold? She goes, I wrote an essay. I said, well, about what? And she's like, my life, me. I was truthful. It was ugly. It was brutal. And I didn't care if they wanted me, they had to take me as I am. Holy <clears throat> and I st was straight up. I'm like, Ugh, are you sure you wanted to do? <laughs> yeah. She's all, well, it worked. I got in, you know, uh, and she, and that made her feel good because mm -hmm. they accepted her. Yes, as she was. was. And then even when we went to the parent orientation, they had a, psychologist come out and talk who was part of the board um there and he was they're like mental health first with this school we wow so many psychologists on campus walk in no appointment necessary whatever we are here for your mental health first wow is she just like i know i'm in the right place <clears throat> where so, was that in arizona Arizona State University in uh, Tempe, Arizona. Okay. And uh, she struggled her first semester, which they're telling us parents back off. Yes. That's normal. I mean, you throw an 18-year-old night. Well, she was 19. She was a year behind. But, you know, you throw these kids here. They're still kids. Yep. And expect them to adult, you know, without the coddle of the family anymore, you know. And My first semester, I had a really hard time. And yeah, I was surprised and, at myself because I was like, I did so good in high school. I don't understand. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, she skated through high school. Like, yeah, she yeah. barely went. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so she was, you know, and living in a dorm and realizing all the stuff she has to, you know, of course I bought everything, but it's like, here's your budget. Go, you know, toilet paper, toilet yeah. brush cleaner, you know, mm -hmm. so stuff. And she was like, man, mom, I'm really sorry. I nickeled and dimed you. I didn't realize all the little things you have to buy, you know, but she cried to come back. I want to quit. I want to come home. Nope, nope, no. Get the nope. semester. I'm yep. failing already. I don't care. Fail. Just keep going. Just keep trying, honey. Keep trying. I will come visit you all the time and whatever. And you can come home and visit, but it's a six hour drive. You're not that far. <laughs> well, I didn't give her a car, but at her freshman year, cause they had to stay in the dorm and I didn't want her. I gave her a bike. <laughs> <laughs> don't go as far as your little legs can take you and um then she went to talk to 
somebody in, you know, in uh, ASU about her grades because she was failing and she, she was worried about her scholarship because I'm mm -hmm. like, you'll lose your scholarship. So she went to them, which was really rough for her because she was, it was hard for her to always step out like that and face these things, these problems. Sure. But she was so happy she did because they go, oh, do you have a diagnosis, like an official diagnosis for your mental health? And she goes, I actually do. She was hospitalized for a couple of days, a couple of days in a mental hospital. Oh, wow. She put herself there. Okay. She did it on purpose because she wanted help. Doctors weren't helping. She said, nobody cares. These doctors, when she says nobody cares, she means, you know, in the medical field, um, they don't care. They don't care. They just want my money, you know, my insurance, whatever. And it really disheartened her. And she just felt, again, diminished and like nothing and not worth anything when they just wouldn't really help her. And then I'm like, I don't think they just know what to do. I, don't I, I often thought the same thing. They really don't know what to do. I mean, they've never, sometimes, you know, I would think they've never lived this life. They've never exactly. known what it is to, you know, deal with a homicide, for instance. Exactly. So, so I'm talking to someone who really, they're not there. They don't understand, you know, and all they would do is they want to give you at that time, it was lithium. Yeah. Uh, I, and I took it. But like you, oh my God, it just right? like me. I mean, I'm like, get me off this stuff. I can't, I can't exactly. I had to wean myself off. And I felt like I couldn't, um, no matter, I tried different things that they recommended, but yeah. none of it, none of it was right for me. Finally, I was just like, get off all this crap. Exactly. I finally had a doctor tell me that, like, what are you doing? I don't know. <laughs> what they tell me. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you think that they know what they're doing, but then you realize no, no. Yeah. Don't. And after she was 18. Yeah. So she had put herself in and it still didn't work. She didn't even see a doctor there. They didn't even come to her. Okay. But they did give her a diagnosis, massive depressive disorder. Oh, wow. And that diagnosis, I sent it to the college and they said, oh, perfect. You know, that's what they needed, that official document. And uh, it's, they put her on permanent disability at the school. Wow. And that gave her more leeway with turning her work in. So the professors were red flagged, like in a sense, like, hey, she's on disability. You need to work with her a little bit more and mm -hmm. take her in. Right. And give her a little more time. If she's in her lows, you got to let her get through it. And they're like, okay, you know, because mental first. So she was like, so they actually expunged the first, first semester and had her like second semester start brand new. Oh, how nice. She must have felt good so, about that. Oh, she did. She was like, thank you. You know, I'm like, see, you, you went in there and you stood up for yourself and you talked to them and you told them, you know, what was going on. And, you know, they helped you. And so she was very happy at that point. Um, That's like starting from scratch again. Yeah, basically. And then being that she already like finally was getting in the motion, you know, of being there and what to do, you know, and how it all works. So it was better. And, um, and because that they believed in her enough to do that, she wanted to make sure she gave back, you know, and that. 
So uh, after freshman year, I found out as a parent the hard way, mm-hmm. like most 90% of the parents there found out the hard way that you have to already secure their uh, dorm for the second year at the first beginning of the first year. Oh my God. I, no I figured I can get her a dorm, another dorm, you know, for sophomore year. Right. Yeah. Oh no, no, we don't have enough dorms. She's got to go live somewhere else. She's got to find her own place. That's like, scary. Are you, me? are you kidding me? And there's so many parents that are in the same boat going, cause I'm on a ASU Facebook group, you know? Mm-hmm. So we're like all talking to each other going, did you know? No. So everybody's scrambling. And so they have a Facebook group, you know, for rental subleases, roommate needed, you know, all that because they don't have enough dorms to accommodate the upperclassmen from sophomore on. Oh, wow. Um, Because all freshmen are required to stay there in a dorm first year. Uh That goes to them. It all goes to them. See. And I'm just like, you should have put that in a pamphlet or something in the beginning at the yep. parent orientation, even, you know, that should have been, cause I would have done it. I, I, I wanted her on campus, not off wherever. Right. Especially with her behavior. <laughs> so, she ended up having a boyfriend, get, meeting a boy there who also went there. She was like, happy with him but not happy like I'll never marry this guy but hey he's good for now (laughs) (laughs) I cared about him you know and Uh they he was in the same situation so that his parents actually got them an apartment and got them all set up and bought all their furniture and said she can live there but you know just to keep him on help keep him on track let's help each other keep on track well I think it was her demise that's he wasn't good for her. He wasn't good for her. And she wasn't really happy. And um, I think that's why she went down the road. She went down, was starting to feel frustrated. And she tried to move out a couple times and go in with dorms. She goes, I want to be like with other girls that are there and have dorm sisters, you know, like people yeah. you make friends for life and she wanted that experience so I I at my own expense moved her you know in and we found and act, actually didn't work out these girls were horrible horrible um, so she ends up right back you know with him there and because she was trying to pull away slowly because he kind of used oh if you ever left me I'd die oh gosh one of those and she took that to heart. Like, I can't, I have to fix him. I got to help him. I got to be there for him. Mm-hmm. And I think that's when she started turning to um, painkillers, like taking the painkillers to just get through her frustrations. Yeah. And uh, it's like, oh my gosh, you know, um, here we go again. Here we go again. The destructive behavior you know, is happening again. And, um, yeah, that's, and so she, at one point, uh, took a pill there and passed out and stopped breathing, but her boyfriend, thank God was there and he performed CPR and the ambulance came and 
she called me from the hospital bawling her eyes out just crying and crying and crying and just felt so bad for what she did and where it put her and I couldn't get I couldn't even understand her she was crying so hard and I'm like I will I'm gonna get over there and she goes well come in the morning because I'm spending the night here in the hospital Um, she goes I took something I don't know what it was but I thought it was something and it I guess I passed out and he helped me and got the ambulance and the doctor said he thought it was something called fentanyl and, but you know, they didn't know much about it and let her go on her merry way. And and the doctor mentioned college, college towns are riddled with it, you know, so it's not safe in the college area. And that's all he told her. So that's what she, we talked about it. You know, I got over there and went to her the next day and uh, my other daughter, one of my other daughters um, and I, we drove out there and she was just so thankful to be alive. Like, oh my gosh, I did not want to leave like that. I did not want to die. I did not, you know, that scared me so bad. I will never do that again. And she started putting it on Twitter, like F fentanyl and don't do it, you know, and please get help, you know, just trying to be an advocate herself mm-hmm. after that experience. So I kind of felt like, okay, maybe she learned her lesson and she will not be that destructive again, you know, and turn to that kind of thing. And she kept telling me I was so stupid. I was so stupid. That was so dumb. And just continuously. Yes, it was. Yes, it was. But you're alive. You're good. You know? So leading up to her death, um, she came home sophomore year for Christmas break. Well, okay, let me back up a little. <clears throat> In my mom lived with me for 15 years, kind of helped me raise these kids, you know. She was a big part of their life. And she had her own little room here. And uh, my dad lived a mile up the street. And they were, you know, they had been long divorced since I was a kid, but they um, were like brother and sister almost. Were they just tolerate each other for the kids, but they would bicker, but then they loved each other, you know, (laughs) he'll drive over and get him groceries. Oh, I'm getting low on groceries. He was starting to have problems with his legs. I'll get you groceries, you know, and help each other. And we were very, like I said, very tight, very close knit family and never let the past get in the way. And, um, so my mom was a pillar of health. She outran me. She outshot me. She outcooked me. She outcleaned me. She just, and I'd be like, mom, you're not my maid. You're not here for that. Right. Calm down. <laughs> Calm down. I, I, I appreciate it, but I feel, you know, like, no, this is, enjoy your life. You know, and she's like, but it keeps me healthy. It keeps me going. I love doing it. So just let me do it. Okay. <laughs> my dishes, how can you, how can you say no? <laughs> so you worry about the girls you get them to their sports you get them to where you know and I got the house you know and Matt's working and okay team effort and so um Thanksgiving of 2019 a week before Thanksgiving my mom dropped dead <gasps> she just died on me here in the in, in she started feeling weird I said let's go to ER because she said she had a something like felt heavy on her chest. Mm-hmm. And she's had that before. We've taken her to ER and they're like, it's you're building this anxiety up. She's like, well, why now in my, in my life? You know, yeah, why yeah. would I get 
anxiety now. Well, it just happens, you know, here's some medicine. <laughs> so we were kind of, she was like, it feels like the anxiety thing again. So she was kind of like, man, I'm, I'm like, let's just, it was kind of late at night. It was like between nine and 10 at night. I'm like, well, I, I don't know. I don't want to wake up at one in the morning and have to take you to ER. So let's go now. <laughs> it's an hour because I'm not going to be able to sleep. And she's like, okay, I'm going to go get ready. So she's like, goes in her bathroom and I go upstairs, tell Matt, I'm taking her, you know, to ER, just check her out, make sure her heart's okay. You know, she never had a heart issue ever, but you never know. Yeah. And I come downstairs and I'm waiting in the living room, waiting for her, waiting for her. And I'm like, okay, it doesn't take her this long to get ready. So I go to her room and I knock on the door, nothing. I kind of go in. I see her bathroom light on. Mom, I found her dead. She was on the floor. Yeah. I was a horrible night, you know, and um, very, my daughter, my oldest daughter is an LVN nurse. Mm -hmm. She's living here and I grabbed her. I said, I'll call 911. You start doing, you know, CPR since I knew she was a pro at the CPR thing. <laughs> and it took 15 minutes for them to get here. And they, they just, yeah, they couldn't save her. So um, that was rough. That was a shock to the whole family. That was like, oh. And so Alex came home and um, that really hurt her. It really affected her. And Took her down a rabbit hole. She ended up in ER at the day of her funeral because oh. she she couldn't handle it. And uh, Matt had to take her to ER. Um, heavy anxiety, just she couldn't breathe. She was just going into a panic mode, and because she lost her nana, and she you know. So she uh, we get through Thanksgiving and everything together, and then she goes back to school and finishes her semester. And we come, she comes back January 21st. I go to airport to go pick her up at the airport and we're driving home and some, she said, mom, you know how you always said I was like special and that I was going to do something great. And, and I, cause I always felt that with her because like all the little things that she did for people, like I always felt she was destined for something big, mm -hmm. you know, she just had to get a out of her get out of her own way yeah and um so I go yeah but she used to get mad when I would say that you know? <laughs> and she's like that was a lot of pressure you put on me and I go I wasn't that wasn't my intention I mm -hmm. just felt keep your eyes and ears open because you're destined for something great yeah you know and she's like, no I get it now she goes and she goes and God spoke to me he finally spoke to me she goes I've been trying to speak to him for a while <laughs> she'd been baptized she'd been you know born again everything and but um she's all he finally told me I'm gonna save a lot of lives wow and I was like oh really I go that's so cool you know and she goes well how am I supposed to do that <laughs> <laughs> she 
she goes, am I supposed to join like the Greenpeace or something? Like, how do I save a lot of lives? I'm just one person. And I, I get, right. I have a hard enough time with just the one or two people I try to help, you know? Yeah. And I'm like, I don't know, honey, that's your destiny. And that's between you and God. And you need to keep him in your heart and keep your eyes open and listen. Okay. You know, so that was the end of that conversation. I thought, cool. You know, that was pretty cool. So we're driving home some more and she goes, mom, I said, listen, I need to tell you something first. I go, I want you to, something's heavy on my heart and I think I need to tell you. You don't have to stay at ASU. You, you, you can come home and move home and go to college here. You can transfer. You're not stuck there because I knew she was unhappy with her boyfriend and she couldn't get away. Okay. So I'm giving her this out and I'm like, but my rule is if you come home, you either go to another college, go to a junior college, go to a trade, right? But you're not laying on my couch and you're not partying. Right. Okay. But I don't care which one of those you do get a job. I don't care. Just you're not sitting on my couch and you're not partying. She's like, oh, she kind of just had this weight come off of her. And she's like, I was so scared to talk to you about it. I can't believe you brought it up. You know, I was so scared. She goes, I've been talking to Nick. That's her boyfriend from high school. Oh, and I knew they still conversated. They still maintained a friendship. That's good. And he waited. He was waiting for her. (gasps) Really? After all that time? Go through all these guys and realize that I truly love you. And I would always tell her that too. Who always had your back? Who was always here at a moment's notice, even when you kicked them to the curb, you know? (laughs) She's like, I know, I know Mom. when I'm ready, when the time's right, I know. And he waited and she said, I'm ready. She goes, we're going to get back together. I'll get my ducks in a row in Arizona, figure out what I'm going to do here. And then him and I are going to get back together. And I'm like, that's wonderful. You know, he really made her happy. He really did. And um, so I was like, oh, I see a light at the end of the tunnel. I was just, oh, all this weight off me. It's going to be okay. She's going to be okay. And um, the next day, I said, we need to go Christmas shopping for you, girl. You need to pick out what you want because I have no idea what you want. So I'm going to just let you pick it out. And we'll get it. I'll wrap it up. And you act surprised. And she's like, okay. So we go the next day. We're at the mall. Have the time of our life. Aw. We are just laughing. And we both have dark humor. So we both say things that make people go, you know, did you just say <laughs> a little shock value? You know, we just have fun with it. And so her and I are going back and forth and we're just like in these long Christmas lines and saying goofy things that make people are just kind of looking at us and like, Hey, (laughs) and, um, just had the best time just really did. And then she brought up in line about her taking that one pill several months prior. And she was like, that was so dumb, mom. I just feel so stupid. And to me, I was taking it as good. It's still eating her up. Good. She's still, you know, remorseful of that and and understands, you know, but again, we didn't know anything about fentanyl and 
the ramifications of it. And, you know, and I just was like, yeah, I guess you just got to be careful. I don't know, you know, just figure another outlet, start painting again or writing or, you know, something healthier. Yeah. <laughs> Taking a pill. And so then she started telling me how she had insomnia really bad. She's like, I don't know what to do. I have really, and I knew she got him off and on. It came with the depression. If she got depression, she had insomnia, you know, when she was in her lows, she couldn't sleep, um, which made things worse, you know, but um, she kept saying, I'm really have bad insomnia. I go, are you in your lows? And she goes, not like really, but I'm still suffering from insomnia. I still have it and I can't sleep and I'm just want a good night's sleep. I said, I wish I could help you. I don't have anything for you to take or anything that, you know, for insomnia, at least, right. you know, I'm, I'm sorry, honey. I wish I could help you. I wish I could do something magical here. <laughs> and, um, so moved on for the rest of the day and had fun coming home at night. I, she started getting antsy. I noticed she was getting a little anxiety driven and I was thinking, and she was, thinking about an old friend that she was in, had a fight with. And she goes, should I forgive her? And I go, that's up to you, but I think you should, you know, you just don't hang out with her, but you could forgive her. You know, she was all, cause the girl was like apologizing while she we were driving home. And she's like, can you please forgive me for the way I acted and blah, blah, blah. And she's all asking my advice. And I'm like, forgive her, give her that. You just tell her you can't hang out with her because it's destructive. She had a destructive behavior, this other girl as well. So the two of you together was like a nightmare <laughs> and, yeah. and she knew it, you know, she knew it. So she's like, okay. And she tells her, I forgive you, but I, we just can't hang out. And the other girl goes, you know, you're right. But it, I just thank you for accepting my apology. So she started getting antsy. She's getting antsy in the car and we're trying to drive home and she's just kind of, and I noticed that. And, um, we get home and she goes up to the, her room and she comes down and, oh, she bought a Freddie Mercury t-shirt. <laughs> she goes, I love her and I love Queen so okay. much. Like that was our thing uh -huh. together. So she bought a Freddie Mercury t-shirt for me, but it was hers. <laughs> <laughs> so she comes down like, look. I got the shirt on, you know, I'm going to wear it to bed. I'm like, okay. And she goes, Hey, can I have one of my Christmas gifts? Because, uh, I want to take my makeup off in bed, like sitting on bed, talking to her boyfriend at the time, um, say goodnight to him. And, uh, I don't want to stand in the bathroom and do it. And I'm like, it was a makeup mirror. Oh, <laughs> so like, of course you can use your makeup mirror, you know, just give it back to me when you're done. <laughs> and then she asked me if she could borrow my computer charger because she forgot hers. So I said, okay. She's up and then she and then she takes my computer charger and then I'm going to pause there. Next Sunday we'll have part two of our conversation with Christine Capaluto. She describes in detail how she found out that there were a lot of other children in the vicinity who also died of fentanyl poisoning. And she and the families got together to go to the police and the district attorney to make convictions possible. It was a very interesting conversation. I hope you'll join me. 
Meanwhile, please go to druginducedhomicide.org, an organization that they are very active in, Her, she and her husband, Matt. And also, please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast so that more people will learn about what we're doing here and the word will get shared far and wide, which is so needed with this particular topic. So bless you and have a good week. We'll look forward to seeing you next Sunday. Thank you.